GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that the BTC ETF is going to change the world. That's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. What's going on, friends? First roll up back in 2024. We're excited to be here. We've got lots to talk about. What the heck's going on in markets? We're going to dive into that just a little bit and cover some updates going on with the Bitcoin ETF. Although by the time you listen to this, this thing might already be approved. So who knows? We're going to talk about Mickey Mouse. There's some stuff going on with Mickey Mouse, Disney, NFTs. We'll cover what's up there. Airdrops galore. They're all over the place. And we want to make sure that you're up to date on that. So we will cover some stuff going on there. NFT equity meta. There's some really cool, I guess, new ideas coming around with NFTs where some of them are giving equity to their holders. So we'll talk about that. IRS crypto reporting and just so much more. We'll have our agrees, disagrees, and explain at the end. But before we get out of that, let's take a second, of course, as we always do, to do some gratitude. So Jay, why don't we start with you? What are you grateful for today? Yeah, I'm grateful for family and friends. This was the first time ever in my life that I have hosted Christmas at my own house. And I'll tell you, nothing makes you feel more like an adult and more like making it in life than cooking a turkey and providing it as a family Christmas meal. I felt like the most dad adult moment ever. It was very good. <laughs> I'll, I'll say the turkey wasn't bad. It was, uh, I might have overcooked it a little bit. It's tough to hit that perfection, keep it nice and moist, but uh, I was pretty pleased with the results. Nice. That's impressive. I've never cooked turkey yet and I'm 30, what am I, four years old. So I got to get there someday. <laughs> You'll make it. <laughs> What about you, man? What are you grateful for? I'm grateful to be here in Argentina. I just uh, traveled for almost 24 hours it took to get here. Our plane was delayed. And honestly, it's just a really long flight. It's like four hour flight, four and a half hour flight, and then an eight hour flight, I believe it was, something like that. Thankfully, that eight hour flight, we had our own rows, myself and my girlfriend. So we could just lay down and just like try to sleep. I'm really tall though. So like it's still even tough to even when I have my own row. But if I didn't have that, my back would be broken right now. So Grateful for that. And then um, just grateful for Buenos Aires, where we are right now. We've had the day and just this morning to kind of cruise around and check things out. We've got some groceries. So we got the gym we're going to go to. I'm spending a month here, by the way. It's beautiful weather and uh, it looks like a beautiful city. So I'm excited to explore. I'm excited that you're there at the Web3 Academy office. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, <laughs> you're going to see Kyle's new background, the Web3 Academy office, the team. I didn't even know we had an office in Buenos Aires, Kyle. <laughs> We do, of course, always. There's actually another, we actually have the, the messy image up on the left side here. I don't have it up today, but we do have one where we're, we're trying to showcase uh, and represent Argentina. So I'll have to get that one up next time. Well, love to hear it. All right. Well, let's start as we always do with the market watch, Kai. Everybody, I'm sure, has been watching the markets closely because the vibes are high, exciting times. And everybody's, the question on everyone's mind is, what is when is, I should say, the BTC ETF coming? Is it going to come in the next week? Kai, give us the update. Yeah, let's talk about all these things. Before we do that, I just want to take a quick second. Everyone is listening. If you are not subscribed to our channel, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, whatever, please go and do so right now. It takes you two seconds. Just click the button, subscribe. You won't miss the next episode and it'll help us on the algos, which if you really want to help us out, then you can also do some liking, some commenting, Maybe you want to share this on Twitter and take us, whatever you want to do, 
make sure to engage. It helps us grow. It helps us reach more people so that we can continue to help people build and invest in Web3. So let's do that. Okay, without further ado, let's get into the market watch. So first, let's just cover prices. Where are we at? Because this has been a wild 24 hours, let's say. Although if you look on this chart, it doesn't look so wild. It's kind of funny. Just looks like a typical, like this is the daily. We're up, you know, 2.6% on Bitcoin weekly. We're up 1.17%. Monthly, 4.75%. So like, just looks like it's all green. It's up only, really. However, if we dive into it and look at what happened yesterday, it doesn't show it on the screen right now, but I can show it. It was a wild, wild day yesterday. So that's around for Bitcoin is 44,000 right now. So we're looking pretty good. Ethereum is at 22.71, actually down on the week, 4.6%. So Ethereum continuing to lag. And then we have Solana also down 4.8% on the week, 4.18% on the week, but up 4% today already. It's still early in the day. Solana sitting at 103. So, and then the last one I just want to showcase is the ETH Bitcoin chart, which has been a very important one to share over a little while, which is Bitcoin continues to dominate, continues to dominate the market. Its dominance, Bitcoin dominance continues to go up. And as we've said all along, this will probably happen until the Bitcoin ETF is approved. Then we think it's sort of like on to the next narrative. And I think we're about to get there. Okay. So looks like just a typical week. Everything's all good. But if we move and look at Bitcoin, let's say on the weekly, we had a crazy, crazy dip. Bitcoin was sitting at 45,000 just yesterday morning. Okay. Then 45,500 yesterday morning. And then it basically dumped all the way down to 41,000 in a matter of like minutes. And now we're sitting back up at 44,000. This is all in about in 24 hours. So a bit of a crazy ride. For more details on this, because I'm not going to go too far into it, check out the Market Watch episode that went out on our podcast yesterday. Uh, I dove deep into what was happening in that very moment. I literally recorded like two hours after that big dump. So check that out for more information. I also then went into like what I think is going to happen over the, the coming year with a focus on Q1, Q2 for, for 2024. So check that one out. Uh, but basically what happened for those that haven't listened to that episode yet and are still kind of wondering like what the heck just happened. There was this random report that was put out by some random company. It's not a big deal at all. Matrix Port that basically put out this article just saying why the SEC will reject Bitcoin spot ETFs again. And it went pretty viral on Twitter or on X at 1.3 million views. For whatever reason, the market thought that this was real and a bunch of people started dumping their tokens. But what really happened is we were extremely, extremely over leveraged. The market was not me in particular, but the, the market was over leveraged. And so a bunch of people got liquidated. A bunch of people had longs on expecting the ETF to get approved. And so prices would go up. So everyone was just over leveraged. And then because of this random thing, it didn't take much. The smallest little sell off had this like cascade event where all these leveraged longs got liquidated and a bunch of people lost a bunch of money, which is so wild to me that people are literally losing their money 24 hours before this thing probably goes live. It's so crazy to me that this happens. Over a billion dollars in leverage was wiped out yesterday. Crazy. Feel bad for these people, but you know what? They probably had it coming. Anyway, it's funny. This Matrix Port, if you go on their website, they had two articles that went out about Bitcoin yesterday. One was about it getting rejected. Another one was about it getting approved. So like, it's this was just some random opinion by some random analysts from some random crypto company. Like nothing, just a pure nothing burger and it just wiped out markets. I mean, I'm happy that leverage got wiped out. That's always a good thing. It allows us to go up more naturally and organically and sustainably. So like, it's not a bad thing. Now, if you didn't sell your tokens during that ridiculous dump, 
Then you had the good news that came out a couple of hours later, which was the SEC actually scheduled some meetings with all of the, or sorry, with the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, Debo, but I don't know what that is. Anyway, the, the big exchanges that are going to host this ETF or, or a bunch of these ETFs, I think basically just saying like, look, and this is my assumption, it's not for sure, but look, this thing's going to get approved. Here's what you need to be aware of kind of thing. Because obviously this is a really big deal. This is one of the biggest highly touted ETFs to go live since probably gold, which was like, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, whatever it was. So it's a big deal. They need to make sure everyone's kind of on board and knows what's going on because there's just a lot of people excited about this. This doesn't normally happen. Like there's a lot of media coverage. There's so many of these DGENs out here that are levered long, obviously. And so it's just a bit of a shit show because it's such a global asset. So anyway, they were just kind of warning them. So it's likely that things are still just cruising along, as we've said, by the 9th of the 10th, this thing goes gets approved. However, then this morning, the chief legal officer at Grayscale tweeted out, just filling out some forms. That's it, which is not a big tweet by any means. But what's really funny is a bunch of big Twitter accounts go, breaking news, chief legal officer at Grayscale says, filling out some forms. Um, but likely what this means is they're doing the final forms that are needed to put this ETF live. Again, pure speculation, nobody really knows but kind of funny that people get so excited over the just the most ridiculous things. But as I said, by the time you guys listen to this, which would be Friday morning, we are obviously recording Thursday morning, this thing might already be approved. There's some pretty big odds that it gets approved Friday. And then almost 100% at this point that it's that it's approved by the, I think it's the ninth. So either way, I just want this thing to be approved so we can stop talking about it, Jay. I don't know about you, but like, I'm just, I'm done with this. I'm happy about it, obviously, but like, I just want to talk about other things at this point. But what, what are we going to talk about on Twitter? You can't. If, if we can't talk about somebody tweeting that they're filling out forms, <laughs> I don't know, how about restaking on ETH? How about new L2 innovation? Like real things being built in this space instead of this damn ETF? Sick of it. I mean, I think the, the ironic thing to all of this is it is such a lesson in not getting caught up in a hype cycle. This is a massive hype cycle. Over the long term, definitely not a hype cycle, right? But this is what happens. Even Bitcoin can enter a hype cycle, even something that we don't believe is a hype cycle in the traditional sense of it being a trend or a flash in the pan can be in a hype cycle because everyone starts talking about it because people start retweeting invalid sources like matrix port or retweeting that somebody's filling out forms and doing their job and taking it as more and making it breaking news. All these things just lead to a lot of volatility so just chill out, do nothing. Like that is literally the best advice you can give right now. You're saying you're not levered long right now for this? Or not levered Sell the news no. or what are you thinking? No. Well, that, that was, I was just going to ask you that yes. question, Kai. So the one question I do have though is, and I think everyone's asking this question in our Discord, I'm seeing lots of people ask it, is this a sell the news event? Yeah. If we continued on the path of up only like we did in November, early December, I would say it probably would have been. But I think over the last couple of weeks, we sort of chilled out and we haven't gone up you know, at all since then. We've just been up and down. And especially with the wipeout yesterday, I actually don't think it's a sell the news event at this point. Now that said, I don't think we just like rocket to 100K as a result of this either. Because so it gets approved, let's say next week. It's anywhere from a week to maybe a month for these things to actually go live. And so then people can actually buy. I don't think that there's a ton of people lined up to just buy this thing at all. So I don't think we like have billions and billions of dollars of inflows in the first like day or weeks by any means. So I don't think this is just like a rocket ship. 
I think there's probably a quick pump as soon as this, as soon as it gets approved, right? We go up five percent or whatever in Bitcoin. But it, this is just crypto natives. This is just crypto people that are just speculating on you know this thing going nuts. I just don't think there's a bunch of people lined up to buy this. I think they would just anyone who's ready to buy Bitcoin is probably just actually buying Bitcoin right now or buying MicroStrategy or whatever. And so I just don't think there's going to be this like crazy demand right off the bat. But I don't think we get a big sell either. I just think we get a quick pump and then like it just maybe slowly grinds up. I think where the pumps come is actually going to be ETH, Solana, and like other smaller assets in the space. Probably like Stacks, which is the LTO on Bitcoin, probably just rips. Bitcoin miners should do really well here. Coinbase probably does really well. I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. It's going to be a bit of a nothing burger early on. Down the road, like I think three, six months long term, part because I think macro is really good and just like we're in a bull market anyway. I think the you know Bitcoin does really, really well. And I think the demand for this ETF does pick up because there's what 12 that might get approved here and they're all battling to market with each other or against each other. And what the ETF does do is allows pension funds and other firms and just like, I don't know, rich retired people to like put one, two, three, four percent of their portfolio into this and just allocate to it as like a hedge, which is what a lot of these funds and people do with gold. Financial advisors, this is like a typical thing for them to do. It's like equity, buy your equities, get your bonds, usually 60, 40%, and then maybe put a couple percent in gold. I think now you have all the financial advisors over at BlackRock, all of them over at Fidelity and blah, 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 everywhere else, all now telling all of their clients, like put one to 2% in this ETF as a hedge instead of gold or in addition to gold, I'm not sure. So like, and but that takes a while, right? They got to have their meetings with their clients. They got to talk them into it. They got to show them the stuff. So like that takes time, but ultimately that drives a shit ton of demand, which allows us to reach the numbers that we always talk about of where Bitcoin could go in this cycle, which is 100, 200 plus thousand, that doesn't happen without the ability, like this opening the pipeline for more demand and more supply to or more people to buy. So yeah, I think overall we're doing really good. One, one picture I want to show here of why I think this is just like going to be a wild shit show yet, although we'll see how this changes. But if you look at my screen here, one thing you can do to see like, are the normies here? Are a bunch of people here ready and like new people coming into the space? is you can just look up Bitcoin or crypto on Google Trends. So this is people just Googling Bitcoin, Googling crypto. And like we've seen a bit of a spike in Bitcoin and a little spike in crypto, but not much compared to like last cycle. So we're on just for those that aren't watching, we're at 24 for Bitcoin in December. This is worldwide uh, searches. And last cycle, we reached 67. So we're still like th 3x away. And the cycle before that, we reached, what is that, 100? And so like, we're still very small in terms of like new people coming in. When new people are here, this is going to be about 50 plus, right? Crypto, same thing, which is still pretty small. So like, I think we're just a ways away. The other reason we know this is Jay and I run a marketing agency that works with a lot of the big crypto influencers. And so they have big YouTube channels, which when new people come in, their YouTube channels go nuts in terms of views and subscribers, et cetera. And that's just starting to pick up now. So it's, it's way off, you know, past cycles numbers that they had. And so like when those start to skyrocket, that's when we know new people are coming in and we're just, we're still not there. I would expect when the CTF is approved though, those numbers start to go up because again, we're going to see marketing ads and budget all over the place being spent hyping up this Bitcoin ETF. We've already seen the like commercials on X, like on Twitter. Those are going to be on TV. They're going to be for Super Bowl ads. They're going to be, I don't know, probably on the Las Vegas dome. Like they're going to be everywhere. 
And so like the hype is coming for sure as a result of these. I just don't think it happens like by next week. I, I'm with you. I think we could see a 5% pump and then probably a, a subsequent dump and then a slow grind up yeah. over the next 12 months. And I still think that we end the year much higher than we are now. You know, I think I could see us ending the year. My prediction was that we would end at 100K on Bitcoin. That, that might be a, a bit of a moonshot goal, but I definitely think we hit all-time highs this year. I think the point is, you know, we have to wait for everybody to come in. Just because it does it gets approved does not mean a whole bunch of new people come in. It's just going to, it's going to be a lot of excitement and energy. A lot of people are going to buy, and then there might be a little bit of a of a dump afterwards or a, a resettling. I mean, the the easy thing to look at is remember when the fake Coin Telegraph news came out. What happened in that? That was just what a month ago, not even a month ago, and we went up ten percent, and then we dropped ten percent when everyone realized it was fake. Now. And like gone up that 10% since then, more than 10% since then, right? But I think uh, either way, everybody be prepared for Bitcoin and crypto to take over your newsfeed, to take over your friends and family conversation. Like we are entering a period where this is going to be one of the most talked about things in the world. And that brings a lot of hype. That brings a lot of scams. That brings a lot of fraud. So mm -hmm. you've got to very much, you know, don't get caught in it. Don't get, you know, don't get caught in the FOMO. Make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter if you're not already subscribed, because we are making sure on a more regular basis than our podcast, we're giving you guys the updates you need in your inbox. And yes, stay tuned to our Twitter where we are always keeping you guys updated there as well, because there's going to be a lot of fake outs. There's going to be a lot of misinformation. It's a good point. Like if you remember 2021 is when NFTs and crypto in general were just like the talk of everyone, right? Mm -hmm. And it was wild. And it hasn't been like that. Like I went to Thanksgiving, went to Christmas. I mean, I got most of my net worth in this stuff. I have two companies in, in this stuff. Not one person in my family asked me about it. Not one, right? Now they're, my family's pretty old and small towns. So like maybe they never will. I have no idea. But like even in 2021, I had people talking about this stuff. I got nothing. And, and I think most of you listening probably were the same. Like it wasn't a big conversation. Next Christmas will be very, very different. Like you said, there's going to be so much marketing budget. Everyone's going to see Bitcoin all over their TVs, ads probably on social channels, like everywhere. And think about what, when you just said that about like scams being everywhere. I just thought 2022, early 2023 was like the low, the peak lows, right? No one was talking about this at all. Nothing was happening. Prices were at the lowest they'd ever been. Companies were shutting down. Like it was like a terrible time to be in the space. There was still tons of fraud and tons of scams on social media, people faking airdrops, people faking this and that. Like, and now when this thing becomes the eyes of everyone, there's gonna be 10x that, 20x that. And they're gonna get smarter and smarter about what they're doing. They're gonna follow the trends and the narratives. And so like it's going to be a tricky time. And as much as we love self-custody, it's also quite scary to have the responsibility to custody your own stuff. So like be very, we're going to talk about airdrops in a second and it is exciting, but man, do so many people get rugged when they, when they see airdrops. There was a guy, we didn't actually have this up, but I wish we did to talk about this. We're going to talk about the LFG airdrop. There's a guy who owns a wallet company in crypto that is a wallet security company. And he clicked the wrong link, approved the transaction, and got uh, 200K stolen from him. 200K drained from his wallet. This guy is the founder of a crypto wallet security company. So like, it can happen to anyone. And man, you just gotta be so, so, so careful. So anyway, we'll continue to keep you posted on what's good, what's not good. 
try to click links from either the exact company or like from us if you want to click on our newsletter that's fine but even be careful for us like maybe our twitter gets hacked right and they start putting out shitty links this is what happens so like just read everything read the transaction you're signing read the urls like you just got to be so careful self-custody is great i was gonna say sucks it doesn't suck it's great but it's scary it's great it's just early and when it's early yeah. there's a lot more opportunity for scams netflix just released a a hundred and a hundred, uh, a ninety-minute documentary all about an ICO scam from uh, twenty seventeen, and it makes crypto look awful. So there's just going to be so much stuff coming out from every angle, and it's going to be a exciting but a high energy year. And high energy is what leads you to make decisions, take a deep breath, and just go slow. There is no rush here. If you miss out on a 10% pump, that's okay. We're in this for the long term. The long term potential and the long term upside is much bigger than the short term here. So don't lose sight of that. Yeah. Okay. If you want to, I just got, I know this is not news at all, but I just got to say, I've been in Argentina for less than 48 hours and already I'm like, oh my God, crypto is the greatest innovation of all time. There's, I don't know how many people in, in I think there's about 30 million, maybe 40 million people here in Argentina. And I can't even tell you how bad these guys need crypto like need it so bad i had to bring a bunch of us dollars here and then i need to switch it into pesos because that's what you their main currency is here that's what you got to use but like so there's a tourist exchange rate and then a like non-tourist exchange rate and then it's different everywhere you go so like i, I get to the airport and i want to change some of my us dollars and it's like well here's the tourist price and here's the other one and it's a huge difference i was like what what that's insane and yeah and then i went to someone else and like they gave me a better i was like this is crazy and then you go and so when I got here 48 hours ago, the the exchange rate was 810 pesos per one US dollar. This morning I woke up, it's now 811.4. Like so you just so like it's getting worse money. every day. Yeah, it's getting worse every day. Which is, uh, thankfully, I only exchanged a tiny, tiny bit. So most of my still in US dollars in US dollars, but like, where do I even, I don't even know how to go and exchange that now at a decent rate. It's insane. So I got like every time, like you, you need to keep your US dollars every morning. You need to wake up. You need to exchange exactly what you want to spend that day. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to laugh because it sucks. It's terrible, which means, and I haven't seen it yet, but one of our employees lives here and he's like, man, by next week, the prices of the food you're buying will go up. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. That's crazy. That's so, crazy. Anyway, I mean, I can tell you right now, the crypto is like going to be the greatest innovation we've all seen. And so number will be up, 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 up only for the next 10 years. <laughs> so don't worry about if we dip 3% today or after the Bitcoin ETF is approved. That's ridiculous. Just buy. <laughs> well, you know who is worried right now is Disney. And I'll tell you why they're worried. They're worried because... They lost this past week the copyright to the original Mickey Mouse. If you're watching on YouTube, I got it up on screen here. This is a black and white Mickey Mouse. He's known as Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie was like the original cartoon that Disney produced back in 1923 or 1928, all about this character, Mickey Mouse. And because this is an American copyright, and every country has different copyright laws. But in America, 95 years after the original creation of a copyright, the copyright moves into public domain. So you can no longer hold that copyright. So what happened was it actually happened at midnight on December 31st. So I don't know about you, Kai, but I woke up on January 1st and all of a sudden, 
Mickey Mouse, Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse was all over my Twitter. There's people posting memes about him and he's everywhere. And it's because this character is now in public domain. So anybody can now go and reproduce this character and commercialize it and sell it. Is it uh, CC0? Many, is that CC0? CC yeah, they call it public domain. CC0 is the same. It means the same thing. Public domain yeah, is okay. like a, a broader term for CC0. CC0 is create right. common zero. Same idea. We've talked about CC0 in the past with NFT projects, uh, Moonbirds, Nouns, our CC0 projects, MFers, a bunch of others. So here's what happened with Mickey Mouse. It was a really interesting story. In our world is Alex Tobe, who's the founder of Goblin Town and Truth Labs, who is a big fan of public domain and CC0 because Goblin Town is a CC0 project. He said, okay, I'm going to celebrate Mickey Mouse going into public domain. So he made a NFT collection on Manifold, charged $2 per NFT, zero royalties. So he wasn't trying to make money off this. He was more so just trying to ensure that bots and scams didn't get them all. And 2,000 of these NFTs sold out in less than an hour. And then the price went up to $1,000 for a $2 NFT within 12 hours. And they've subsequently dropped to about $100. So if you are one of the people that purchased this for $1,000 and thought this was the next mooning NFT, I feel very bad for you. Do not purchase a mooning NFT. These NFTs are incredibly volatile, especially one like this that is based on nothing. It's just meant to commemorate this moment in time when the Mickey Mouse and when the Mickey Mouse copyright went from copyrighted to public domain. So haven't, haven't you learned to stop? Haven't you learned to not tell people to not buy uh, memes or like tokens and things that pump? Because we've said don't buy Bonk and look at what happened there. Well, <laughs> so here's what happened next is there's been a few other PFP collections that have launched using this Mickey Mouse character as well. And then there's also been two tokens that they haven't launched yet, but they're talking about launching. Uh, Willie and Mickey are the two meme coin tokens. I'm not going to endorse anybody buying a meme coin token. I know we've been wrong on a few like Pepe and like Bonk, but I also guarantee you that we've been right on a bunch that people were buying and that by listening to us and us telling you not to buy, you probably did well by not losing a bunch of money. Look, if you want to invest in these, go ahead, invest a small amount of your portfolio. That would be the only thing. Very, very small. Be ready. You know what is interesting about crypto that I keep noticing is we've got a cord or a, I don't know we call it, a string on everything that happens in real world events. Like this Mickey Mouse thing had nothing to do with NFTs or crypto. And yet, boom, meme coins and NFTs of this thing that happened related to it, moon. It's like a predictions market. You know what I mean? Like it's done in a weird way with meme coins. Like there are actual prediction markets where you could do, you could bet on anything basically in crypto in the real world, which is cool. But like, this is like a live, I don't even know what it is yet, but it's like anything that happens there's somehow some sort of crypto thing related to it where you can make or lose money. And it's it's just interesting. It is a social layer of the world expressed through value in these weird, weird, weird ways that I think we just don't really comprehend yet. Well, well said. And two of the ways that you can express value that you could never express value before were one is using IP and NFTs. That is right. an entirely new way to express digital ownership of IP. And we're seeing a ton of the most successful NFT 
projects so far have really leaned into IP as their business model, Pudgy Penguins being the most obvious. And then right. also we're seeing this opportunity to create value with a fungible token, with a meme coin and build a community and then build a business on the back of that community, which also was not possible before. Now you have governance, now you have voting. There's so many elements of this that, yeah, I mean, just it shows how world changing this technology is. Absolutely. Well, let's go from Mickey Mouse to our new segment that we're starting because we want to keep you guys up on top of airdrops. And this is our airdrop segment. We're going to every week break down whatever airdrops are coming at you that you need to know about, that you need to be watching. And we'll keep you updated on the airdrops that we've already talked about because we've talked a lot about them in our recent newsletters. If you want to learn about how to farm some of these airdrops, make sure you go subscribe. Jay, did, you just, did you just make an executive decision to, that we're going to do this weekly? I didn't know that. This is a thing. I did make an executive decision. Actually, <laughs> live, missed, live on the show? Yesterday. We made okay, 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 the prep call yesterday. It wasn't just me. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. All right. So, Jay, you got it up on the screen there. The first one we're going to talk about here is Jupiter. So, Jupiter is the basically the Uniswap of Solana. And I say that meaning that it is the decentralized exchange that's on Solana that is just massive and has honestly grown so much just in the last month because of so many people coming over to Solana. But they did their snapshot early December and they are launching, I think it's about a billion tokens coming up in sometime here in January. We don't have the exact date yet, but they've announced it's coming. So it'll be this month. And I think this is a, a, a pretty big deal. So first of all, they're only launching, I think it's one fifth of all the tokens that they're going to give out to the community. So if you are on Solana, continue to use Jupe when you need to exchange things because they will give more tokens. So this will probably be the biggest one. In terms of what this token is, it's just a governance token, same as like what Uniswap is, but they do have goals to eventually iterate this token to become basically a full currency ecosystem and economy. So like they, I would bet they front run Uniswap on adding the fee switch. So Uniswap has continued to be a governance token for what is it, like three years now. Everyone's been waiting for the Uni token to generate revenue from the protocol. They don't want to do it. It's a US company. I don't think Jupiter's a US company. Don't quote me on that. Maybe I can Google that on the show here while we're talking, but pretty sure it's not, which means they would be able to turn on the fee switch. Um, and uh, I think that would be a massive narrative if they did that. So fairly bullish there. I think Jupe's going to be a, a big one. I think it's going to be over a billion dollar market cap or FTV when it when it gets launched. So should be as big or bigger than Gito. The only thing I would say is I don't think people will get $10,000 minimum like all the Gito people got. That's because Gito dropped their token to only 10,000 people or wallets. This is going to, I don't know, tens of thousands, might even be hundreds of thousands. I'm not sure, but it's going to a lot. So I do think the token will do really well and it's going to be a big airdrop for those that are involved here. So kudos to everyone that that is. I don't think that I am. Can't remember, but hopefully we will all get this for, for other ones. But this is going to be a big deal. It's going to drive the narrative even further. I think airdrops become an even bigger deal as a result of this, just because Jupiter is so big in the Solana ecosystem. So anyway, Continue to use Jupiter. Is they're going to drop more. A U.S. company. New York. Oh, it is. Shit. Yeah. Too bad. Oh, New York too. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Then maybe they don't do this. That sucks. <laughs> most of the Solana. Most of the reason I said this. Most of the protocols on Solana are actually outside of the U.S. So anyway, is what it is. All right. All right. Next up, keeping in the segment of airdrop updates, let's go over to Dimension. Kai, what's Dimension? Yeah. So Dimension is another airdrop that was just announced here. Uh, and basically it's another part of the tech stack. Think of it similar to like Celestia. It is a 
it, it is on Cosmos, so it has its own app chain, just like what Celestia did. But it's another part of, of the tech stack for blockchain. So a little bit technical, so I'm not going to get in the weeds of it all. But what's really cool is they are doing, I think we'll see this theme more often, is they're doing an airdrop. You can claim it right now for the next, I think there's maybe 16 days left to claim it. And then when it goes live right now, it's not on mainnet beta or it's not on mainnet. When it does go mainnet, they'll drop all the tokens. But what's cool is the people that can claim this airdrop are anyone using Ethereum L2s. So power users on the L2 front. So if you used Arbitrum, you used Optimism, uh, et cetera, you are likely eligible to get DIM tokens or DIME. I'm not sure what, what that is, D-Y-M, whatever that would be. And so you would get those tokens. Anyone who's used various different protocols on Solana, I think Jupiter was one of them and a few others. So if you have a Solana address, go and check the claim uh, and see if you can get it. Anyone who's used Celestia staking, anyone who's used Osmosis, so these are all different chains. Anyone who's used Cosmos. So there's like, I don't know, seven different chains and you have to do certain things on these chains, but that are all eligible for this airdrop. So really cool to see like these cross chain airdrops. Celestia did this. So Celestia airdropped to people who were using Ethereum as well as Cosmos. And so these guys are doing the same, but they're kind of going more broad to a, a bigger, different demographic. And so I just think that that's really interesting. Dimensions is legit. So I think they're going to have a fairly decent size price, but not sure. I don't think it'll be Celestia size, but it should be pretty good. But again, this is just like most people couldn't have guessed this was going to happen, especially if you're on a, a chain that has nothing to do with this. But it does pay to like be playing around and doing things on chain, especially right now, because there's just so many airdrops coming. And so the more that you test out, the more that you play around with and do, the more chance you have to get airdrops because these guys are all airdrop because they want users, right? They want people to know this is marketing for them. And it's also helped to fund people to build on their on their tech. And so how do they find these people? Well, they find it from wallets that are doing things on chain. And so if you do things, you get lucky, but it's not really lucky if you just do it because you know you're going to get something. So Anyway, pretty cool to see this. I think Dimension is going to be a good one. It's, I think they're still a couple of months away from dropping their token, but they've already done their snapshot, so you can claim it today. The link will be in the show notes for you. It's genesis.dimension.xyz. Don't click on any other links that are not that exact URL. But that's how it's going to work. All right, next, we've got one more. This one's kind of interesting. This is LFG. This is the guy that got rugged. So LFG is, what does it stand for? I can't even read what that's like. Less, less effing gas. Effing gas. Right? Yeah, so this is like a vampire attack on Ethereum, which is kind of like, so this is a Solana token, a Solana company that is airdropping tokens to Ethereum users. In order to claim the tokens, you need to get a Solana wallet and claim it on Solana. So if you want your money and you're an Ethereum user, you got to go over to Solana, which is like a vampire attack to like bring and bridge people over, which is quite interesting. Now, this is a token for people who have guzzled and used a lot of gas on Ethereum. So they're looking at driving, bringing the whales over from Ethereum to Solana. Now, this is not a big airdrop. It's not a, this some big protocol or company or anything. It's just a marketing stunt by who? I have no idea. The Solana founders were big on retweeting this. Like maybe it was actually them doing this to like drive some traffic over. I'm not sure. But anyway, this is co competition. So we love that. And we love it even more if competition means we get free money. But anyway, you can click on the link, which is and watch. There's tons of fake ones on this. Click on their Twitter profile. And it's in there. That's where I would recommend you do it is on the Twitter profile for LFG, which they are less FN gas is their Twitter handle, which it's less FN and gas.org. It's .org. There's a bunch of .coms out there. Be careful. Le so anyway, sorry, less fees and gas. Oh, sorry. Or less fees and gas that are good. And so 
honestly, if you haven't done a lot on Ethereum, you're not going to get much here. So like, I wouldn't even worry about this. Like, I didn't even claim it because I just, I don't pay a lot of gas fees because I moved everything to L2s. So I just, my wallets don't accumulate. Like there's people that have spent hundreds of thousands, like Zeneca, who comes on our podcast a lot. He was in the hundreds of thousands he spent on gas fees. So he got a bunch of LFG, but he got like a hundreds, hundreds of dollars worth of this airdrop. So not a ton versus spending hundreds of thousands, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this is another one. The the key here is just like, there's going to be so many, whether it's the decentralized protocols or it's just marketing, like be ready because there's so many, but be very, very, very careful because this is the guy that lost 200K. He clicked on a wrong link, wrong link because in the comments of this announcement tweet was a fake URL. And unfortunately people click on that. So anyway, lots going on in this airdrop. So it, it pays to be a user on chain. We got even one more coming at you here. And this is one that came over came over the break. It actually came right before Christmas, but we uh, didn't get this in because we didn't record a roll-up last week. So we want to make sure you guys are up to speed. So this is Frame. Frame is a new Ethereum L2 that is focused on NFTs. It's an NFT-centric L2 that is aiming to be the creator L2 by using a new protocol that they have built that is going to enforce royalties. It's called Palette Protocol. And I don't know the technical details of how it enforces royalties, but basically their claim is that they're going to build this L2 that is focused on enforcing royalties at the layer, the network level, which would then, if this can work, this could be the choice for creators to launch NFT collections, particularly artists and those that are looking to profit off of royalties, which, as we said from the beginning, was such a great opportunity of blockchain to put money back into the original artist's hands. Now, when you look at this project, it's a who's who of backers. They are backed by who's involved in this. I got Lucanets, 9Gag CEO, Ray, Whale, Loopify, Dingaling. I think that... Uh, Electric Capital. I love how you're laughing at these these names. I'm giggling. Well, like <laughs> I know, Electric Capital was the initial fundraiser behind their their first round that they just closed in December. So you've got a big team of advisors behind you, which is another reason why they got a lot of attention. So they're not in mainnet yet. You can go to their website. Let me get the uh, link for you here. I believe it is frame.xyz, but I will confirm here. Yeah, it's frame.xyz. And you can see if you're eligible, you can claim tokens now. Uh, you won't be able to spend them or use them. You won't you won't get them yet. You'll just enter the claiming. And basically anybody who has traded an NFT on Ethereum and paid royalties, this is the key. You won't get any credit for NFTs or you yeah, didn't pay royalties. Based on your the amount of royalties you've paid. So like exactly. volume, and then did you, did you actually decide to pay those royalties? Which is, I love that. That's great. Which is great, right? So they're going to, they're going to, the findings there, target market, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These are the people that would get loud and support them because like, this is, I believe in this. I pay royalties myself. I want to support a, is this a layer two? Is that what you said? This is, this is a layer, layer two, two or is this a e protocol? It's a layer two. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. See, I mean, Immutable does this, right? Like Immutable allows for um, enforcing royalties at the protocol level, right? So Ethereum does not have, uh, royalties at the protocol level, neither does like Solana, et cetera. None of these do. And so as an app, you can't enforce them. But when you change the the protocol layer, which is a layer two, for example, anyone, an app that goes on top of layer two, you control as you make that layer two, whatever functionalities you want. Just like 
Blast and Manta have made it that if you hold any ETH or any stable coin on their layer two, it automatically generates yield because it automatically swaps it into staked ETH and then your USDC into whatever. And so I think it's MUSD. And so it auto makes there be yield for whatever stable coin and ETH that you hold. So the same is true with L2, with these L2s. You can also make it where it auto enforces royalties. And it's just part of the of the layer that you're building your app on top of. And this is the one thing that's really cool about layer twos that the monolithic choice of building a blockchain, like so what Solana is doing, it just doesn't have this expressive expressivity that L2s can do because each L2 can be completely different. Immutable can have zero gas fees and enforce royalties. Frame can keep gas fees, but enforce royalties. Manta and Blast can have gas fees, but enforce yield. Like you can do all these things depending on what ecosystem you want uh, to have underneath. And so I think L2s just are going to have this incredible innovation that people are not quite wrapping their head around yet. Even I haven't because this is just royalties and yield. There's probably going to be so much more that you can bake into the protocol layer of a, of a layer two. And I'm just, uh, I mean, already it's basically been a month. Well, when did Blast launch? A month and a half ago. And so a month and a half ago, we saw our first yield baked into the protocol. Now we're seeing royalties baked into the protocol. Like what else happens? That's what makes me so excited about L2s. It's just going to be, it's really, really cool to see this. And then because this is backed by so many big people, especially in the NFT space, I can see this being really cool. This connects back to your one of your predictions for 2024 and the L2 narrative continuing to grow, which I completely agree with, even though right now it's not getting much attention at all. Solana has taken well, over the airwaves. Yeah. I mean, the tokens have done really well in the last couple of days, the week. So Arbitrum Optimism have been crushing it. So crushing it's it. coming. Crushed. Price drives narrative, right? So the price goes up a little bit more. And all of a sudden, all eyes are on L2s. And that's what I think happens as this EIP4844 goes live, which if you want more of an explanation of what I think happens here, check out my episode from yesterday. Okay, let's go to the next story. We actually got two stories together here. Two NFT projects over the last two weeks made big announcements. The Plague and Wrecked Guy both gave equity to their NFT holders. So first was the plague on Christmas morning. Love this. You know, a Christmas yeah, gift to all your NFT holders. You woke up on Christmas Day and you were given equity, shares, real shares in the company. I don't know the name of the company behind the plague. I don't know what their corporation, corporate name is. And I also don't know the technical details of how they were doing this. And I'm mm -hmm. also concerned about the regulatory. The, both these projects must not be American because right. there's no way you would do this in the U.S. right now because there's clear, I mean, the U.S. government would for sure come after you for this. They've already gone after many other NFT projects, not for giving equity, but just for seeming like they were giving equity. So right. we'll see. But this is a very interesting idea. And Kai, would love to get your, your thoughts on this, but I'll go first. If you have an engaged community, and both these projects do, both Rec Guy and The Plague are well-established projects that have very engaged communities and you want to build something big, well, the best way to build something big is to get a, a big team. You need manpower, you need team members to do the work and the best way to incentivize somebody to do work is to give them equity. If you give them equity, then they have a reason to put in more effort in order to grow the brand, in order to grow the company and they 
as a result, hopefully we'll push everything forward. That's what we, a lot of us kind of thought of NFTs in that way from the beginning. And then we quickly realized, oh, wait, you're not an equity. Not holder. equity. Yeah. There's a clear difference. Very interesting. I, I could see this being something that plays out over the next year and we see more projects doing, especially if these first few projects can show some real results. Now, does this mean that they're going to have results? No, not necessarily. All these people could just take the equity and then do nothing. So we'll see how it plays out. I, I could definitely see more doing this because I think now NFT holders from all projects are going to be yelling at their founders to be like, give us equity, give us equity. Look, these guys did it. So like out of pressure, it probably happens. Do I think that this is a good idea? Probably in circumstances, yes. I think everyone always goes so black or white. I think absolutely this is a great idea to be able to do this, attach equity to on-chain holders, like on-chain users. Like, sure, that's a great idea. We love that. Do I think most should do this? Probably not. The reason I say that is, so like, first of all, most people that launch NFTs, I'm not saying are regretting it, but we're like, shit, this is way harder than I thought because all these people think they're owners. And now instead of like, you know, catering to a board of five people that are actually owners and investors, like who know what they're doing and like can be supportive and help and don't need me to tell you what's going on in Discord every day, like that's hard enough. And now to do it to like 10,000 people, like that has been a, a wear and tear on people's mental health that have launched PFP projects. And we've talked to many of them. So now this takes a step further because before you could be like, look, you don't actually own anything in the company, so I don't owe you anything. So like, leave me alone. Not that anyone, actually some people did that. Like you, you wouldn't, that's not a good thing to do. I don't recommend that. Now though, you're actually giving equity. What I like about these guys is like you said, they're both well-established. They have a strong community. So I, I do think there is some benefit there. The only thing I would say is like, I feel like if I was to do this, I would want to reward certain people, not everyone that has a NFT. And I know they had some, like, if you did certain things, you got more, which I think is the right way to do it. I would be very selective of who I would give this to but I'd want to give equity to certain holders, ones that maybe have just never sold, ones that are very active in helping in the Discord, uh, ones that have you know provided whatever, some support in some way. Like I would have criteria. I wouldn't just blanket give it to everyone. I just think, yeah, if you're giving it to 10,000 people, that's just, that's equity, man. So like now you actually do all them stuff and that's, I don't know, that's a lot to me. Well, and that is definitely... One of the big reasons not to do this in my mind is just the administrative requirements as a result yeah. of this, right? That's what I like, mean. This is a ton of legal documentation like, and work. Yeah, we're not talking token equity. We're talking LLC and C Corp equity. Like this yeah. is, that's a lot. Now, maybe they did it in a way where they gave 10% of the LLC to a corp which then these NFT holders own that one corp. And so like maybe. it simplifies things yeah. maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Now when equity just becomes tokenized and you're just giving tokenized equity to token holders of NFTs, like that's easy and seamless. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things of what Web3 does is it allows you to give value to anyone seamlessly and you don't even need to know who they are at KYC. So like that I'm bullish on at some point, but giving token like LLC type equity, this is, yeah, I don't know what that administrative work would be like. The other interesting thing here I was just reading is from the regulatory perspective, they're classifying this as a gift. So that removes any expectation that you would receive this. So it's no longer a security because you were not expecting this when you purchased right. the NFT. It's just a surprise gift. And that's, mm -hmm. I, look, I'm not a lawyer, but that's what they are saying is that's why they've 
they're not concerned about any regulation backlash on this. Okay, next up, a new crypto tax reporting rule from the IRS came out and took effect on Jan 1. And we just want to make sure that everybody clearly understands this, all of our American listeners at least. Basically, this is a new rule that says if you receive 10000 or more in crypto, this could be an NFT, it could be an airdrop, whatever, you now have an obligation to report the transaction in, like through this long form, ridiculously long form, to the IRS within 15 days under threat of it, a felony charge. And you need to report their name, their address, their social security number, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, so I got a 10K airdrop from Gito. I got to go figure out Gito's social security number and at, like, what? Like, I don't even, so that's crazy. Or like someone sends me from some random wallet, they send me money for, I don't know, uh, like whatever. And I just got to figure all this stuff out. Like, that's just insane. It makes no sense. Now, here's the thing that, should, so what's funny is everyone's like, we're all going to jail. We're all going to jail. That was like the meme when this came out. As far as I know, and don't, quote me on this for sure. But from what I saw, there's a couple of lawyers that were tweeting about this and saying, just so everyone knows, this is just for businesses. You don't have to do this as like a as a person of the US. So which would make more sense. But still, uh, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of ways where you would just some random would give you 10K worth of stuff in your wallet. Like, it doesn't really happen other than, I guess, airdrops. But in that sense, like you would know the business. Like I could probably figure out the information I needed. But I never am going to do that, nor do I want to, but I'm also an American, so I don't care. But this is just ridiculous. It's one of those things where it passes, but they're just, no one can ever, no one can uh, actually do this. So I don't know where this goes, but it's a bit ridiculous. All right. Another piece of news that came out this week. Did Ethereum buy Solana? What's going on <laughs> here? Uh, <laughs> Etherscan purchased SoulScan to expand their block explorer services which led a lot of people to wonder if Ethereum just bought Solana. Etherscan. I don't know about a lot. I just, we saw a tweet of that, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but this is quite interesting and not something that I expected or just, I guess I never even thought about it, which is, so one, Etherscan is a block explorer for Ethereum. It allows you to see all the transactions, and everything that's happening. SoulScan is the one for Solana. And so Ethereum obviously been around for a long time. Etherscan is, you know, five, six years old at this point. They've got funding. They've got a lot of money. And so they bought their basically their competitor and com, com, competitive version, but it's not really competitive because SoulScan is only for Solana. So it's it's a great addition to their current blockchain service, right? So it it's an amazing idea, but it got me thinking: Does this become a trend? And I, I wish this happened last year because I would have made this prediction. I could see this being a trend in 2024 of Ethereum companies buying up their. I don't want to say competition because it's not some of them. I guess it would be but their counterparty over on Solana because it just helps to diversify their like their service, right? In different ecosystems. It'd be like someone in Canada that does whatever service buying that same service over in the US or over in Europe, right? Like you just want to expand and this is a great way to do it in another jurisdiction. Very common in normal markets. First time I think this has happened in the crypto ecosystem world where one person or one company buys one in another ecosystem. And now I wonder, do... do a bunch of protocols applications on Ethereum, which the reason I say this is they've been around for forever. They have big funding by big players. They've got big companies. They've got the lawyers. They've got all the stuff. Whereas lot is all scrappy startups because they're so new. It seems like the perfect opportunity. And so I, I think we see this trend continue, which I did not think was going to happen just, I don't know, two days ago. Well, welcome to the world where 
one day to the next, everything changes <laughs> yeah. along the price of the Argentinian peso. Okay, let's jump into our wrap-up segment, which is Agree, Disagree, Explain. Excited to hear some early opinions early on in this year. Kai, first up, I have our friend Whale.Mocha. Whale's a leading influencer on Twitter, and I've got a predictions report, sorry, predictions poll that he did on Twitter, uh, which over 3,000 people participated in, so significant results. And I thought it would be fun to take a look and see if we agree or disagree with this. So first, first one is which marketplace will have the biggest market share in 2024? He put up Blur, Luxrail, Magic Eden, and OpenSea. Blur won with 43% of the vote. Luxrail got 1.6%. Magic Eden got 31% and OpenSea got 23%. So for me, to, the thing I don't know is market share of what? Users, volume, fees, like that's what I don't know. And so if it's users, I think probably this goes to OpenSea or Magic Eden. I'm going to say probably OpenSea though. Although I don't know, Magic Eden's been doing some cool stuff, but OpenSea, I think already wins here by a long shot. So I think if it's users, it's OpenSea, unless some one of these launches another token or something, I don't know. But I mean, Magic Eden has never launched tokens. So. And so I'm going OpenSea on that. If it's volumes, probably Blur continues to lead. So I do agree with that one. And then in fees, well, it can't be Blur because Blur doesn't make any revenue. So it would have to be OpenSea. Yeah, I'm going to go, I definitely think in volume it's Blur. I think Blur has clearly shown, I thought they were going to drop after the season two airdrop in November. I I thought Blur was going to be done and they did the opposite. They came out with Blast. They gave all these incentives for people to stick around. They, that's because there's still another token incentive, right? That's right. They're going away. Blur season, season three, yeah, right? Just continue. But, but the main thing though was it wouldn't have worked if the Blur token dropped. But the blur token right. has maintained. It's true, yeah, and yeah. that's the big thing. It's actually, gone up. Had a big year. It's gone up. So all those people that not everyone who farmed did well, like Maki Big Brother, and a lot of like the bigger farmers did not do well. But screw them. But a lot of like the smaller farmers did do well. So and also Blur just has such a great reputation. They've now got Blend that's doing well. They have Blast, which is not tied into Blur yet, but will be eventually, obviously. So I'm gonna say. Of blur continues. I like Magic Eden over OpenSea, but OpenSea's got a much bigger piggy bank. So if they can just learn how to spend their money better, they could probably figure it out. Well, the only reason I think Magic Eden may have a like an upper hand here is because they're the big Solana ecosystem mm-hmm. one, and Solana is obviously picking up a ton of steam, especially in this space for NFTs. So like I don't know, Magic Eden could, but there's also the competition of like Tensor and some of the other big ones marketplace on Solana. So like I don't know, who knows in this world? Okay. That's our whale prediction for 2024. Let's go to our next tweet. In this tweet, I'm just going to read a portion of this tweet. This is from Sammy.Mocha, and he is referring to Punk6529's tweet on January 1st. It's a long thread, so I'm not even going to go through it. But Punk6529 made a thread on January 1st about his predictions for the NFT market, and he basically says that he believes that the NFT market cap will be Two will be one trillion dollars by 2030. Kai, agree, disagree. So, for context, we actually looked it up just before this. The current market cap is 32 billion. So, this would be a 
30x to get to this point in the next, what is that, six years, which I mean, seems like in the crypto world, not that big of a deal. But obviously, this one's a little bit different. I, I think it's a no brainer when you like, if you read this thread, they're talking about including like real estate, right? Because eventually the like real, we'll have real estate as NFTs and tickets as NFTs and like everything that goes digital will just be on chain. And so when you think of having all those, then like, okay, this is a no brainer. But even without all that stuff, I feel like this could get like even where we're currently at, I feel like it could get there. If you don't include the real world asset stuff, I think we still get there, which is quite interesting. But um, yeah, I agree with this one for sure. Just because I yeah. think everything moves on chain. I, I, I agree with this one just because six years is a long time for yeah. a technology that is innovating at such a rapid rate right now. Like yeah. we don't even know what is going to be an NFT in a year, yeah. let alone six years. And as you said, value on chain is has tremendous features that are not offered off chain. So I think, yeah, yeah no brainer. Agree. One trillion by twenty thirty. Okay. Next up, we have two tweets here about the decentralization of ETH staking and a little bit of a conversation here. Let me read the first one. This is from Mert, who is uh, the founder of Helios. He says, okay, sorry, just catching up. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't restaking adding massive fragility and cascading risk to a decentralized system? And then let me read one more tweet and then Kai, you can jump in. Austin Federa says, correct. It's basically 2008 all over again if something goes wrong with the base collateral. Yeah. So, okay. First is don't get your Ethereum news from Solana people, <laughs> right? They know the Solana ecosystem. They don't understand the Ethereum ecosystem. It'd be like asking someone in Canada to, you know, that only knows Canada to comment on like Chinese politics or something, right? Like it's just because they know politics in Canada doesn't mean they understand Chinese politics. Very, very, very different. And so, that's my first one because Austin Federa is the like head uh, PR person for Solana. And then Mert is like the Solana bull that just doesn't get off Twitter. And he's just wild over there. So anyway, is restaking this big like potential risk? So for those that understand what restaking is, restaking is let's first go staking. So ETH, you can obviously stake your ETH or Solana or whatever, and you can get these derivatives from it, right? So I can stake my ETH in Rocket Pool and I can get our ETH as a result. And then I can go use that in DeFi. But it's, it's basically one-to-one, -one, right? Like I throw my ETH in this contract, I get the same amount back in our ETH. And then the yield that comes from staking my ETH just goes into our ETH and I just earn whatever I get, right? So not much additional risk to that. What this is doing, what restaking is, is you can take that staked ETH and stake it one more time. But what's happening is the validators that are actually holding under ETH and, and holding on to that as the stake they can then export that to go and secure other networks that are not just Ethereum at this point. So whether that's other L2s, other decentralized systems, peer-to-peer -peer networks, like things that like are not even in the Ethereum ecosystem. So something else, it's just exporting the security of Ethereum. And, and when I say that, it's exporting the validators to do other things. So it's sort of leveraging your state, like it is leveraging, but it all sort of goes at the same, it, it all moves up and down based off ETH. You're not moving into a different asset, right? So they're all... Um, correlated in how they move together. So there's that. The only way that this goes bad is um, slashing. So if a validator, I don't know, turns off or like doesn't do what it's supposed to do or does something in a bad way, it can be slashed its ETH. And so if that happens and it loses ETH, well, now the restake token should be, is actually no longer correlated to what the ETH price is. And then the restaked one is even worse, right? So like you're adding a little bit of risk to that underlying collateral that can only happen from if they're slashing. Other than that, you're all good. So is there additional risk? Yes. 
is this like the 2008 potential financial crisis? Like, absolutely not. And the reason I say that is a few things. One, the big problem with leverage is when leverage is not transparent, right? Leverage itself isn't the worst thing in the world if it's done at least with some sort of good risk management. The problem is, is when you can't look at risk management, you can't see the underlying collateral, that's when things can spin out of, can spiral out of control. That's what happened with 2008. People just kept buying this thing because they thought it was safe and they couldn't see what was underneath of it. When things are on chain though, you can just go look. It's very, very easy. And so if we think about what just happened in the crypto markets in 2022 in the bear market, there was leverage in on-chain world. There was leverage in the centralized world. Which ones blew up? Like the 2008 financial crisis. Only the ones that were off-chain because you couldn't be transparent. You didn't know. So you couldn't cover up your collateral. You couldn't remove your collateral. You couldn't like do anything about it in the centralized world. So Celsius, Voyager, FTX, BlockFi, they all blew up and everyone lost their funds. Nobody lost funds in the on-chain world because we were it was transparent. We could see what was happening. And so it's not that leverage is necessarily the problem. It's leverage plus opaque, not being able to see what it is. That is more of the problem. So yes, there's additional risk, no doubt, but there isn't additional risk in the sense that like it will all go to zero. It just might get slashed a little bit. And now can that have impacts? Yes. But once again, when it's on chain, at least it's transparent and everyone can see what's going on. The other final thing I would say is the way the eigenlayer works right now, which is this is the restaking protocol on Ethereum, is it's still not fully open to anyone. And so the stakers that are restaking, they are professional ones. They are like specific ones that have been vetted and that are like a part of the eigenlayer like ecosystem. It is not just any random person. So like I can't just go and do this. You have to be vetted basically. So they are doing a lot to mitigate the risk. Now, eventually that will get opened up fully, but they'll have security and systems to like sort of figure this out. Doesn't mean again that nothing bad can happen. Of course, something can, but it's not like a 2008 financial crisis where everything will just go to zero. There just might be some impacts if something did happen. But I think it's nothing like what they're saying. So again, don't take your ETH advice from a Solana person. That's all I would say. <laughs> Getting getting very technical into restaking to start the new year. If well, if we're you, gonna do more on that. We're gonna have was, to do some episodes on it because I think it's one of the biggest narratives that are gonna happen just this, gonna say, this year. Yeah. If you guys want to hear more about this, let us know because uh, we definitely want to keep you informed. If you want to learn more about Eigenlayer and restaking, it's something we've been talking about internally for the team in the team for a few months, but haven't really dove into content yet. Kai, thank you for keeping us up to date. As always, that's a wrap. First show of 2024, vibes are high, feeling good heading into the new year. I hope you all had a lovely holiday, great time with your friends and family. Hope you rang in the new year with lots of celebration and excitement. It's going to be a fantastic year ahead. If you don't already do so, please follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our <laughs> newsletter. Thank you very much, Zach. Give a review on the podcast. I'm so pumped up to start 2024. I can't even speak properly. Let's go, everybody. Have yourself a great week. I think I just lost 3% of my pesos during this episode. So I got to get out and go buy some groceries or something with it before it goes to zero. <laughs> go quick. Go quick. All right, friends. Thank you. And I'll see you the next one. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. 
This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.